This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. I was reading different, uh, different New Year's traditions. I hope maybe your family has New Year's traditions. Um, around the world, there's some really different ones. In the Philippines, one of their New Year's Eve traditions is they open all the doors and the windows in the house and let all the bad energy out and all the good energy in. I was thinking, we didn't do that here this New Year's Eve. Let all that air conditioning out because it was hot. The, uh, in Spain, they want to eat 12 grapes right before midnight, signifying good fortune for all 12 months of the year. In Johannesburg, South Africa, I thought this was kind of strange, they open the window and throw out old appliances and furniture. <laughs> out with the old, in with the new. But my favorite one is Siberia, where all four people in Siberia, when they, <laughs> when they celebrate New Year, their tradition is to dive into a frozen lake holding a tree trunk, which they will then place under the ice. I don't know who gets to be volunteered to do that. I would volunteer Joy, the snake killer. Let her, I would, I'd let her do that. But it's a, what would they say about us as, as, a, as, a, as a country? Uh, at, you know, in America, they drink too much and then go outside and blow things up on New, Year, on New Year's Eve. Um, everyone, you know, kisses their date or kisses their spouse uh, when New Year's, New Year's hits. Here's something, though, that's, that's fairly universal and that's resolutions. People make resolutions. In fact, a couple of years ago, they said about 45% of Americans made resolutions, and of course, about 44.5% abandoned them by the middle of, of January. And so I think sometimes, a lot of times, people are making resolutions because we love the idea of a, of a new start. And uh, I love the fact that there are people here in church today. When I woke up this morning and it was cold and the wind was blowing, I thought, what a great day for online church. And uh, then I thought, no, you're the pastor. You had better show up. And so, uh, but it's, it's, it's a new start. And I love the idea of, of a new start. I think though, after the last couple of years, I was talking with different people, and I think we've been kind of hesitantly optimistic about this year. Because remember, 2020 was a dumpster fire. And if, if somebody came out with a Christmas ornament depicting a 2020 dumpster fire. That's their ornament for the year. 2021, we thought was going to be a whole lot better. <laughs> it was marginally better. And so we're looking at 2022. The optimist in us says, hey, it's going to, it's going to be a better year, but I think we, we've kind of been hesitant about that. So whether you make resolutions or not, let's talk about some things about how to have a different year. A different. Want something different, you have to be willing to do something different. Let's look at the things that we realize this year we are not going to be able to control. This year, you are not going to, I'm just, here's, this may be bad news for some of you. This year, you are not going to be able to control the people around you in your life. You are not going to, listen, if you've been married three weeks, you realize you are not going to be able to control people in your life. You know, in, in 2020, everyone held on to their jobs. In 2021, they called it the year of the great resignation. Everybody left their jobs. So what we figured out is you're not going to be able to control people. So don't even try. Here's another thing. We're not going to be able to control big events. I mean, I thought we were done. You know, when we hit the Delta variant, I thought we were done. 
Now we got Omicron. Who knows what's left in the Greek alphabet that's coming, that's coming, but I'm ready for this thing to just go ahead and die on out and, and go away. But we can't control that. And who'd have thought supply chain issues would ever been a challenge in America? That we would be dealing with, we can't get it because of supply chain. We can't control that. But there are things we can control. So we have to focus on those things we can control. A man took his wife and and his mother-in-law, and they went to the Holy Land. They'd saved up for years and did a tour of Israel and the Holy Land. Unfortunately, while they were in Jerusalem, the mother-in-law died. And uh, so the man went to take care of all the details, went to the, went to the American embassy, and uh, a representative met him, and the representative told him, he said, hey, he said, the, Isra the Israelis are really good about this. He said, if, if someone who is a Christian or a Jewish dies in Jerusalem, they have a deal. It only costs $500 to bury them. That's the whole cost, coffin, everything. $500, that's a special deal. The guy said, how much is it going to cost to ship her home? The guy said, it's going to probably cost between ten dollars and $15,000. And uh, the man said, ship her home. And the guy said, look, $500 versus $15,000, I don't get it. He said, oh, I get it. He said, 2,000 years ago, they buried a man in Jerusalem and he rose from the dead and I'm not going to take that chance at all. <laughs> My mother-in-law's watching online. Nothing but love for you, mom. No, just... <laughs> you got to control what you can control. So here's some of the things you can control this year. You can control how you think, how you talk, and how you respond. You can't control everybody around you, but can you control how you think about it? Are you going to let somebody else take up room, rent room in your head and dominate you, or are you going to control your thoughts? And then you can also control your, what you have in terms of your relationship with God. Now, don't hear me wrong on that. I didn't say you can control God. That's a ridiculous thought. But in terms of what, what we have with him, our connection with him, we can be as close to him as we want to be. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. You don't have to be a preacher. James said, draw, draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. So that's up to us. We can choose there. And we can choose how we choose to live and walk as citizens of his kingdom and as members of his family. There's a wonderful verse in uh, Ephesians. If we go ahead and put it up. It says, for we, talking about believers, are his worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his worksmanship. One translation reads, for we are his masterpiece. Isn't that a good thought? We're God's masterpiece. We don't typically think of ourselves that way. But it says, but we're, God made us. He doesn't make junk. And he made us, and he said, he's got good things prepared for us that we should walk in them, but they're not going to fall on us. We have to choose that we're going to walk in them. I read a story a number of years ago that I thought was just such a powerful story. It was of a young man that was raised by his father in a single-parent home. The mom had passed away when, the young, uh, when, the, when the, the, the young man was a boy. And so his father, very good father, a very wealthy father, raised him, wanted him raised right, made him work, uh, didn't want him spoiled, so he didn't pay for college, made him work his way through college. And uh, the young man drove a, an old junky car because he couldn't afford anything else, but the dad didn't want him spoiled. But the young man knew that graduation was coming and dad was gonna step up at graduation. In fact, a couple of weeks before graduation, they went around to some different dealerships and this young man spotted a beautiful red Corvette. And uh, he was really thinking, this, 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 is what, this is really what he wanted. So graduation day came and his, uh, the young man 
went in to visit with his father. His father looked at him and said, son, he said, congratulations on graduating. Congratulations on help putting yourself through college. He said, I have a gift for you. And he pushed a box across the desk. When the young man opened the box, to his dismay, it was a Bible. And he opened the Bible up in the, in the flyleaf. He wrote, son, these words have enriched my life and changed my life. I pray they do the same for you. Made this young man so mad, he threw it back on the desk, got up and stormed out. Very prideful young man. He got all of his stuff and moved out. Moved to another city, got a job. Wouldn't talk to his father, wouldn't return calls, wouldn't do anything. And then he got to the point where he thought he should, but then the, his pride wouldn't let him. And so he stayed separated from his father for years. One day he got a call from an attorney, his father's attorney, letting him know that his father had, had passed away suddenly. He needed to come home and take care of some of the family uh, things that were going on to help settle the estate. As he got back in, the young man got back in, he was in his father's study, and he had a big lump in his throat as he was going through his father's stuff, realizing he never reconciled that relationship. But as he did, he, he opened a drawer, and he really got a lump in his throat when he saw the Bible that he had tossed back on the desk. He picked it up, and as he thumbed through it, a piece of paper fell out. And when he looked at it, it was an invoice from a local Chevrolet dealership of the red Corvette that had been paid in full. The young man had had a brand new Corvette waiting, but he never discovered it. He walked out mad and never found out what, what his father had for him. He said, well, is that a true story? I don't know, but I do know this. There's a principle here that we have to pay attention to. God has got so many good things for us, but we have to open the pages of our Bible and find out what he has done for us and in us through, through Christ Jesus and then begin to walk those things out. It's available, but we have to find out what they are. If you want something different this year, you have to be willing to do something different. I want to give you a story in the Bible, one of my favorite stories from Numbers 13. And it, it is the story of two men who took a very different path from the majority and what we saw happen in their lives. People come, they come to church and they're thinking, I want something different. I need a change. I need a change maybe in my life. I need a change in, in my marriage or a change in my relationships, whatever. You need a change. Hey, listen, change is available. But we have to be willing to walk a different path for that. So let's read their story. And it is the story of the children of Israel when they've come out of Egypt and God delivered them from the bondage. They've been in slavery in Egypt for over 400 years. And God delivers them out and he promised them a land. And so they had come up to the edge of that promised land. And here's, we're going to read part of that story here. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the children of Israel. From each of their tribe, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. Notice it said, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving. God had been promising this land since they ever, since Egypt. He kept telling them, I got a land for you. It's a, it's a promised land. It's a good land. So these, these 12 men were to go into the promised land. Promised land. They were to go into the promised land with, with, the, with the mentality of this is going to be our home. So you can imagine they were excited. They were, man, they were looking forward to it. It's like finally we get our own place and our own land. And as they went in though, something unexpected happened because they, they saw that the people of the land had not abandoned it. Maybe they were thinking that when God said, I'm giving you this land, that everybody left. Maybe they were thinking that, that there would be no battles, that there, there would be no opposition. 
But when they actually got into the land, they found that it had a lot of walled cities, which are very difficult to take. And they had people who were very, they weren't, they weren't a bunch of weak people. These were warlike people. And, and they started looking at that and talking about that. And, and, and they really begin to go negative. See what happens here. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they spied out saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak come from giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. When they got, when they got back, they're, they're starting to talk about the land, these 12 spies, 10 of the spies said, began to go negative. Their focus had, had changed. It had shifted from, the, hey, this is our promised land, and God's given us this land. The focus had shifted from there to, uh-oh, we got problems. Uh-oh, look at the, these people. Oh, we got walled cities. I never thought there would be walled cities. Oh, and these people aren't leaving. They're not packing up to go. They're not fleeing the, the, uh, all the people at the border. They're still staying here. They're preparing to fight. We can't do this. And they begin to, to think about, we can't do this. They begin to think, problem, problem. We got problems here. These are, th th these are problems. And they begin to talk problems. And as they begin to think problems and talk problems, you find they begin to go negative. And they, they it said initially, it's a beautiful land, but then they said, no, it's a land that eats up the inhabitants. And they came to a bad conclusion. And the bad conclusion was, we can't do it. Now, you would hope that all the people would rise up and go, no, you're just negative. We're going in. Didn't work that way. The people believe the majority report. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to believe something negative? And they believed the negative. The Bible said they cried all night. In fact, they said to one another, why did God bring us out here to kill us? Really? If God wanted to kill them, he had numerous opportunities in the desert. He had a lot of opportunities, but their whole focus had begun to shift from, hey, God has given us this land to, we can't do this. We're going to die out here. They went negative, except for two guys. Two guys did not go negative. Two guys were Caleb and Joshua. And they stayed on the positive side. You say, well, how did, they, how did they do that? Because they saw the same land. It's not like Joshua and Caleb went to the land of the pygmies and thought, oh, we can take these guys. These are, they're all four feet tall. No, they saw the same land, saw the same walled cities, saw the same people, but they kept their focus on what God had promised them, not the problems. And then they got to this place and they're talking to the people because the people are wanting to go back and here's, here's their response. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. That's a Jewish thing. They would get so upset, they would just rip their clothes. I'm glad we don't do that any, anymore. But, uh, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, that he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord nor fear the people of the land. They are our bread. Their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And there, there's, there's two guys who are walking a different path right there because they're saying something different because they believed something different. What they believed was that God was for them. 
You notice they use that phrase, if God delights in us? Whoever uses the phrase, if God delights in us? If you ask the, the most people today, hey, does God delight in you? Most people are like, no, I don't know. He's disappointed, maybe, or he's a little bit perturbed, but does God delight me? Man, they had this idea that God's, man, God's for us. And if God's for us, who can be against us? And then they said, and God's with us. He said, they're, he said, they're bread for us. We would say, we will eat them up. There's, it, that's as easy as pie. Well, what in the world caused their perspective to be so different from the other guys? Is they chose to not focus on where the problems were and what the obstacles were. They chose to focus on what God had promised them. And they believed that God was, was with them, that God was for them. We sang that song in here this morning. He is for me, not against me. It's one thing to sing it. We need to believe it that he is for me, not against me. And these, these people, Joshua and Caleb, they believed it. And they said, let's go. We can get it. We can, we can overcome it. And you would, have, you would have thought everyone would have said, yeah, that's positive. We're going with these guys. And they said, no, let's kill them. And they threatened to, to stone them with rocks. What in the world? They said, well, what happened? Well, everybody that said they couldn't, didn't. They didn't go in. But Joshua and Caleb did go in. And they, they went into the promised land. It was years later, but they went in. And so I want to take my example. As I look at this year, I want to take my example. I want to take my cues from Joshua and Caleb. Not the 10 guys that, that messed it up. I want to take my cues from them. So what do we do about this year different? How can we make this year a different year? So well, I'm just hoping something just, you know, that, you know, I'm just going along and I win the lottery. Well, <laughs> praise God. If you do, bring all the tithe right here into the storehouse. Okay. <laughs> but hey, chances of that happening are slim. So what are you going to do different this year? Well, I'm going to lose weight. Okay, great. That'll help you a little bit, but is that really, is that going to change your whole quality of life? What are you going to do different this year? Let me give you some different things that we can do. You can do these. Different things you can do is, one, find out what God has promised you. What has God promised you? They're promises. In fact, in, in Peter, he talks about these. He said, by which have been given, by God's power, have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. He said, we've got these promises. They've been given to us. Not just me, not Joy, not Justin, you. If you're a believer, there's a promises that are given to you. And, you have, and they're great promises. They're precious promises. And these promises enable us to partake of God's nature. How many of you know God's not afraid? He's, he's, got, he's full of peace. He's full of joy. He's full of strength. He is not weak. He's not worried. You, we can partake of that nature. We have to find out what his promises are. And here's the thing. We have to, when you find his promises, you have to memorize those and then personalize those. You memorize and personalize. You just don't read them and go, oh, great promise. No, no. You want to take that promise and make it real. Say, I don't even know where to start. I'm going to give you two today. Two good ones. You can start your year with. You can add as many as you want, but I'm going to give you two. But today, memorize and personalize. Anybody ever heard of Gary Smalley, Dr. Gary Smalley? He's written books. He was a, he's, he's in heaven now. He's a Christian uh, author, speaker, he, uh, psychologist, brilliant guy. Helped a lot of people with relationships. He wrote a book about, I'd say about in 2007. And it was called Change Your Heart, Change Your Life. And Gary Smalley had found something. He discovered it when he was 61 years old. 
He's 61 years old. He said, I discovered that if I changed what I believed, it was absolutely going to change my life. He said, and I can change my belief by finding out what my creator has designed for me, what he has prepared for me, and believe that. And Gary Smalley at 61 years old said, I begin to realize that it, all my life I had dealt with worry, I dealt with fear, I dealt with anger, I dealt with lust, I dealt with, and he listed a bunch of problems. And he said, but I can tell you now, and he's writing this at 67, he said, I can tell you now that I have, that the Lord, by his grace and by changing what I believe, I've now overcome those areas. That's a powerful thought. Listen, by the way, that's a good book. You can still get it. Change your heart, change your life. And he began to talk about that he began to take God's word and put it into his heart. That's what you're doing. When you memorize and personalize, you're taking God's word and you're putting it in you. And when you put it in you, it can produce good things in you. And Gary Smalley said, you say, why do you keep mentioning his age? Because sometimes people reach an age where they think, well, you know, Alan, that's all good. And I wish I'd heard that 40 years ago, but you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, I got great news for you. You are not an old dog. You are a new creation. And new creations can learn spiritual truths at any time and at any age. It doesn't matter. You can learn this. But you have to begin to take those. Let me find these promises. And I'm going to memorize those and personalize those. Then here's the second one. We have to stop focusing on the negative. Guys, there will be negatives this year. You say, hello came on a cold Sunday morning because you're going to tell me some good stuff. I am telling you good stuff, but I'm also telling you there's going to be some negative stuff that happens this year. But you don't have to focus on it. You don't have to put your mind on it. You don't have to watch it all the time. I, I, have, I have been on a, on a pretty much of a news fast for the last two years. It has helped me so much. Because if, if all your input is the news, you are going to be a negative person. If that's all you watch, if you would say, well, I, I, you know, I know some people, they just watch news all day long. Listen, you keep focusing on that all day long, you're going to wind up being an angry person. Everybody's messed up. Whole country's messed up. Everybody's messed up. Everybody's messed up. They're mad. Everyone's mad. Everyone on the news is mad. So you want to you join that? No, don't join that. You don't have to look at that. You don't have to read that. You can get, listen, if something bad happens, if news breaks, 15 people will text you before the day is out. You will know exactly what's going on. You'll have, but if you get focused up in it, you will go negative. If you are constantly talking the problem, you will go negative. Where you talk about, what you talk about. Oh, Joy and I, Joy and I years ago, we had been eating at Poncho's. Anybody remember Poncho's? Raise that flag. Get those, what was it? Sopapillas. About the only thing I liked there was the sopapillas. Raise that flag. And then someone took me to Papacitos one day. I went home. I told Joy, I said, I have discovered Tex-Mex heaven. I said, we're going to go there. So we had a big date night planned. We had just gotten some bad news about one of our children. And as we got in the car to drive down to the Papacitos, down, farther down, close to Greenspoint, we, we talked that problem. And we talked the problem all the way to, to Papacitos. We talked the problem through the chips and the salsa and the green sauce that you used to get for free, Papacitos, but no And we, we talked it through that. And then we talked it when the main dish came and we talked it through the sopapillas at the end. 
And even though the food was good, it was a bad meal because we made it bad. Because we focused on that. What you focus on is going to impact you. Those 10 spies, all they focused on was the problem. Two spies focused on what God had promised. It made all the difference in the world. See, but here's, here's the thing. What you, what you focus on, what you loop through your mind is going to impact you. Look at this verse here. In Romans 8, 6, said to be carnally minded is death. That means to be focused on only what you can feel, only what you can see, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You're like, whoa, 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 Alan, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be spiritually minded. I don't want to be, that's weird. You know, spiritually minded, like those, I've met people who are spiritually minded. They're woo-woo people. Like, woo, everything is woo. No, 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 no. Spiritually minded is not weird minded. It's promise minded. It's what God has promised us. Because what you put your mind on is going to impact you. I was nine years old. I went to a, a, a camp. I was, I was raised, my family raised me in a Baptist church and I was an RA. We went to a camp. Man, it was a great camp. No girls, just nine-year-old boys. We don't care. We don't want girls anyway. Girls have cooties. But we have a, we have a great time. Man, we played, we played ball. We played games. We stayed up late. We ate junk food. And then we sat around the, the, the fire and they were going to tell uh, devotionals. But before they told devotionals, they told ghost stories. I don't know why people feel like you go to camp, you got to scare the daylights out of nine-year-old kids. And we had a guy there who could tell a ghost story. And we've been having fun. He starts to tell us ghost story. He had a deep voice. And he was telling about this death angel who would come and point at a window and go, are you ready? Man, you do that a few times. And all of a sudden, all these happy-go-lucky nine-year-old boys, now we're kind of looking around. And someone hears a, a branch snap, and it's just like you jump. And we're kind of staring into the fire. It's the only time I've ever seen, ever seen this, where a guy goes, i got to go to the bathroom. And four guys go, we'll go with you. What changed? How do we go from being happy-go-lucky to fearful? What we put our mind on. What we begin to think about. But thank God we don't have to think just about what we see. We can think spiritually-minded, promise-minded. You know, for the last few years, I've encouraged the church to, in January to fast, and I've encouraged the church to, to say the Lord's Prayer and 23rd Psalm. If you want to do that again, that's, that's, that's great. That you're, that's certainly a wonderful thing. But this year, I want to challenge you to do something different. I want to give you two promises. And I want you to begin to memorize these and personalize these. So let's look at these, these promises. Here's the first one. God is for me. See, that's personalizing it. God is for me. You've got to be able to say that about yourself. God is for me. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things. God is for me. Can you say that about yourself, that God is for me? So you can memorize that verse and you can begin to say, add it to the 23rd Psalm if you want, add it or just do it on its own. God is for me. That's a good one. If God's for me, who can be against me? If he didn't spare Jesus, he's not going to spare anything else. If, if God is for me, he is for me, not against me. We can sing it, we can say it. God is for me. Here's the second one. God is with me, and is helping me. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, let your conduct be without covetousness, be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Aren't you glad you can boldly say that? 
If he said he would never leave you or forsake you, you say, I know, Alan, but it feels like, no, no, no. We're not talking about what it feels like. We're talking about what God has said. We're talking about his promises. And we're talking about being promise-minded instead of being problem-minded. And so instead of thinking about all the negative stuff, you could begin to go into this year going, thank God God is for me. And if God's for me, who can be against me? Thank God God is helping me. He is helping me. And here's the, here's the next one you're going to add. You're going to add one to it. I can fill in the blank. I can. I can what? Well, that depends on what you're dealing with. I can live in peace instead of being so worried and stressed out. I can have strength to handle the problems I've got to face. I can have peace in my home. I can walk in love. I can beat that addiction. I can find a new job. I can do whatever God's called me to do. I can begin to change my family. I can do this because God is for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? And because God is helping me, and if he is helping me, I can do this. I can. You say, well, should I, be, should I say that? Well, you need to say the very same thing that Caleb said. We, let's go up at once, for we are well able to do this. We can. It's our choice. It's our choice. You want, to, you want a different year? You want different this year? Be willing to do something different. And you get to say, okay, Alan, but you don't realize all the problems I got. Listen, focusing on your problems is not going to get you to an answer. It's focusing on the answer that gets you to an answer. God is with you, God is for you, and you can. In New York City, a couple of years ago, some college students put up in a, in a very, very busy square, they put up a, a big chalkboard that said, write your biggest regrets. People began to write things. I wish I'd applied to medical school. I didn't, I didn't say I love you enough. I, I wasn't a good husband. I wasn't a good father. I didn't spend enough time with my family. And they begin to write out regrets and the regrets begin just to fill the board. And they noticed there was a common denominator to all of that. Most of the time people were writing about what they didn't do. I didn't do this enough. I didn't do that enough. I know if you're a believer, I know a lot of times you talk to believers, like, well, I, I haven't been the Christian I should and I haven't been. Listen, you, you can live with regrets and it's not going to help you. But then what they did was they gave them an eraser and they erased the regret and they wrote clean slate at the top. Clean slate. And people began to write clean slate, what, what they would do. One lady said, oh, this gives me so much hope. I can write clean slate. It'd be nice if it was that easy. It wouldn't be that easy if you could just write your regret and then erase it. But there's one who can actually erase the regrets that we have in our life. There is one and it's not with an eraser, it's with the shed blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses and purges our conscience from dead works. He said if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A relationship with him, and we're able to wipe away the regrets of the past and start off with a clean slate. And you know, and the beautiful thing about the Lord is you don't have to wait for January to start with a new slate. You can start with a clean slate every day. His mercies are new every morning. Would you bow your head with me for a second? Just heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Please no one leaving. We'll be out of here in just a few minutes. If you came today and said, you know, Alan, I don't have a relationship with the Lord. I've never asked him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Or if I did, I'm not sure about it. Or maybe you're kind of like I was. I was raised in church. Made a decision, then backed away. And realized, you know what? I, I've, I've gone away from the Lord. And I, I don't want that. I, I want to start with that new slate. I want to get going again. But we're going to say a prayer. We're not going to have you stand up, come to the front. We're not going to do that at all. But we're going to say a, a very powerful prayer. 
if, if you're here, if you're watching online and you say, you know what, I, I want that in my life. I, I want that relationship with the Lord. I, I, I want to be, make sure of it. I, I want to start again with him. Boy, you, what a great time. What a great day to do that. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to ask you one thing. If that's you that I'm talking to and you say, that's me on, I want to have that relationship or I want to, I want to come back to him, would you pray for me? Would you just slip up your hand quickly across this auditorium and say, that's me? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. His hands have gone up all over. Anybody else? Say, would you pray for me? Thank you. Wonderful. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. You wanted to. You can still get in on this prayer. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. If you're watching online, you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with others, pray it quietly. We're going to pray it out loud here as a church family. You pray it with us. I'll lead you in it. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.